Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Well, I'd like to uh, repeat some of the things that I said on Ash Wednesday because I didn't get a chance to preach here apart from the school masses on, on Ash Wednesday. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So my, I would like to first apologize to those who were at those masses. I know our school was there. Many of you were there at our school masses that day. But um, I'd like to just maybe relate some of those, those same ideas with, with a new twist. So hopefully it'll be worth your while if you've already heard what I've had to say about this. But, you know, Lent is a time where we're making resolutions and trying to address imperfections. And one of my consistent imperfections is I get, I, I'm, I'm late for the school masses during the week. I get up, it doesn't matter how early I get up, I get into this mode where I'm trying to get things done and then, you know, I'm two hours into my day and then all of a sudden I have to realize, oh goodness, I gotta I got go, I'm gonna be late for mass. And so I've been just struggling to, to get that done. Well, there was one morning in particular where I was, I was significantly late for mass. Um, and it was for a good reason, so I had to tell the story of why. I had to give my excuse, right? Don't show up late for school if you don't have an excuse. So that particular morning, the reason I was late was because um, I had some farm chores to do. I keep a small flock of chickens. With the cold in the, um, in the, in the weather this past week, my chickens live outside and I, I had to find a place to keep them warm. So I had moved them inside to my truck, uh, the, tr the bed of my truck, because that was really the only kind of contained space that I had that was heated that would be able to hold them. So I had tested this out early in the week to make sure that it would work for when the cold arrived. And this particular morning, well, I needed my truck because I had to come to Mass. Um, and I can't drive with a truck bed full of chickens with chicken wire over the top. So I woke up very early because I knew this was going to be, this was going to be a challenge. <laughs> so, um, I do all this, by the way, gladly, right? I, I keep chickens. This was kind of a, a, a lockdown project for me. I, this, is, this is a new thing for me. It's not, it's not something that I've ever done before. Uh, back in May, I think, when things were really quiet, not much was going on, right? We didn't even have public masses. Um, I got some chickens from some of the neighbors and raised them from, from chicks and became very, very attached. Now, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, an animal person. I've never been somebody who, I'll confess this to my, to my shame, I've never been someone who really sympathized with people who, who were really animal people. Like if I heard someone who said, you know, my dog died, we lost our dog, we've had a dog for 15 years, my kids grew up with it, I would always, to my shame, not be very sympathetic. I'm sorry you lost your dog, but life goes on, you know. <laughs> to my shame. That's not something I'm proud of, but it was just, uh, I, I couldn't really sympathize until I got animals of my own. And now I'm like the chicken father. <laughs> I, love, I adore these, these animals, these birds. Um, I spend as much free time as I can just around them. Uh, they're like my pets, right? Of course, they, they lay eggs, so that's nice. Uh, so if you ever need some, some fresh farm eggs, let me know. But... Over time, I've grown very attached. In fact, one of, the, one of the chickens got snatched by a hawk one day, and I became irrationally angry. I, I think if I'd had a weapon or a shotgun nearby, I probably would have gone rampaging through the neighborhood trying to find 
the bird that was responsible for this. I was, I was totally devastated by it. So that's all to say, I get it now. <laughs> I, I get why, why people get so attached to, to animals. They awaken some things in us. And I think with the, with the case of chickens, it, it's particularly strong because they are so stupid. <laughs> right? They're tiny little brains. They don't, they, they, they don't have the normal ways. Of, it's just hard to, to take care of chickens because they're alternately very sweet and trusting and terrified of you at the same time, right? But there's an instinct, I think, even uh, to, to care for things that, are, that can't take care of, of themselves well, right? So I become very protective of them, in other words. All this is to say, I'm up at 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday in my garage, and it sounds like a, a murder scene, right? Because I'm trying to catch these chickens out of my, the bed of my truck and get them back outside so I can go to mass. And it takes me everything I have to try to be, uh, to get this done in the course of a couple of hours. I'm crawling into the bed of my truck. There's squawking and flapping and running around. I'm covered in what's at the bottom of the chicken coop. <laughs> Spikes, you know, getting flapped at in the face, scratched. My hands are bleeding from trying to reach in through the netting and grab them, right? I'm frustrated to no end. Did I mention chickens are really, really dumb? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, how, how, how is it, right? When I come outside into the coop, you all run towards me because you know I have good things for you, right? I brought you grapes. <laughs> I brought you tortillas. <laughs> And they, they love those things. They tear into them. And who, who gives you those things? I do. So now suddenly I've changed and I'm here to hurt you. Is that, is that how this works? And in my frustration, I'm thinking to myself, well, isn't, isn't this just the way I am with God? Compared to God, who understands perfectly who I am and what I need, I'm really, really dumb. I flee from him when he wants to take care of me and bring me to a safe place and protect me. Isn't that the way God feels most, if not all, of the time? I thought to myself. And what this holy season of Lent is all about is recognizing that reality, I think. I think to myself as I'm trying to care for these chickens, is there a way that I could that I could communicate to them in such a way that they could, whatever, understand, if chickens understand anything, that I'm not here to hurt them but to help them. Could I speak their chicken language as a way to bring them and get them to trust me? I can't do it. But isn't that same thing at work with God, right? Who looks on us, how foolish we are. How limited our understanding, how partial our perspective. And God who approaches us and says, I've come to give you my blessings, my graces, my salvation. To give you an unending and perfect and un, um, unassailable life that can never be taken from you by anyone. And he says, I need to find a way to communicate that to them. And so he bends down and stoops and crawls into our messy muddy world and he gets it all over himself doesn't he 
all of the consequences of sin and death. Smear him and cover him and disfigure him as we, as we venerate that image there. That's what it means to have found a way to bring us to a place of safety in a way that we could understand. I'm not here, says the Lord. I'm not here to punish and, and, to, and to slay you for my own benefit. I'm here to care for you and to give you life. Is there anything else I could, I could do or give for you? I've, withhold, I've withheld nothing. So when we place those ashes on our heads, what are we saying? But we repent of the ways in which we have fled from God. We try to hide from him. We don't trust him when he draws near to take us to himself, right? In, in large ways and in small ways. And we take on these practices of Lenten mortification, these little, these little gestures of penitence, right? giving up things that we're attached to, and conveniencing ourselves in a small way to try to free ourselves or respond to God's invitation to, to give ourselves more completely to him by giving away some of our attachments that distract us, our little comforts. You know, we all have them. We all have the things that, well, I don't know, kind of keep us going throughout our days and weeks and months. We have our favorite TV shows we check in on. We have our favorite restaurants or places to sit at a restaurant. Or at least we remember what that was like <laughs> to be able to do that. Right? We have our, our things that we like to read, our places that we like to go, our hobbies that we like to, to practice. But in the end, none of those things makes our lives worth living, do they? None of those things makes our lives worth living. I don't live in order to watch television. I don't live in order to get my nice warm cup of coffee in the morning. But those things aren't what make my life worth living, though I resort to them again and again and again as ways to comfort myself as I go about my life. No, in fact, what we see is, especially in this gospel story of Jesus going out into the desert, in his time of fasting and privation, what is he doing but considering, laying out before him all the possible things that he could dedicate himself to, to, to live for. In other words, to, to give his life for and to die for. We read in the Gospel of Matthew what the nature of those temptations are. And Christ responds to each of them, rejecting them as good as they might be in favor of the one thing, the one reality that makes life worth living. Existing in harmony with the will of God. Who's here to save and to protect and to nourish and to bless us. There are many things that we lift our lives up to. There are many things that we pursue. Some of them quite noble. We can, we can lift our lives up or lift our hearts towards those things which bring death, power and pleasure or human respect those things don't bring us life. Or we can, find even, we can find more noble and virtuous things to lay down our lives in service to. Probably on a human level, the most noble of those is to give your life for your country. But your country can't raise you from the dead. As noble as that is, 
When Paul storms into the city of Athens saying, stop, stop everything. We found the one thing, the one reality worth living up, lifting up your heart to and serving and living for and being perhaps even ready to die for. It is Jesus who raises you from the dead. We have seen him. He is risen. What we're doing here in the season of Lent prepares us to celebrate and to welcome that reality. And we repent of those things that we have put in the place of that. We repent of having lifted up our hearts to something other than Jesus and the promise of full and lasting eternal life. That's what we capture each Mass in the dialogue between priest and people as we begin the Eucharistic prayer. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We're being recalibrated. I don't want to lift my heart up to anything but the Lord. Nothing but the Lord can raise me up. Nothing but the Lord can give me a full and lasting life that no one can ever take from me. However we find our way of recalibrating according to this call of God, right? He's, he's speaking to us. He's speaking this invitation into our lives at every, at every moment, not just in Lent, but always. But we do so with particular intensity. And there are many graces and blessings associated with this during the season of Lent. I always feel as if there's a wave rising behind me as, as Lent begins, and I just have to ride it. Just ride the wave, the wave of being more attentive to God, making room for him, right, and repenting of those things that I've put in place of him to which I lift up my heart. There's a little sticker on my bathroom mirror that I see every morning as I, as I get ready, and it summarizes beautifully what I believe Jesus um, is, is, is showing us by his 40 days in the desert. It's a little quote from St. Therese of Lisieux, with which I'll leave you with. It's just this. It says, there's a picture of a, of a ship, a sailing ship, and it says, The world is thy ship, not thy home. What are we lifting our hearts up to day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out? Lord, if it's anything other than you, we repent of it. And together, as a holy people, united as one in prayer, joyful, singing, singing out our praise and our love for you, we lift them up to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.